0: Hello, welcome to more of the Richard Herring podcast feed, powered by ACAST+. Uh, Hope you're enjoying all these tour podcasts. There is still a chance to catch some, though they're selling out very fast. Uh, We, in fact, Sheffield on the 7th of March sold out. uh, But check the theatre website for returns. Uh, Monday the 11th of March. Uh, March Adam Buxton and Lem A in the Leicester Square Theatre sold out but you can get tickets for the Warwick Arts Centre where I'm talking to Lindsay Santoro and the Exploding Heads internet phenomenon and at Bedford on the 21st where I'm talking to Olaf Falafel and my old friend Al Murray I'm at Glasgow uh, on the 27th of March sold out Susie McCabe and Fred McCauley and then at Hull on the 28th of March with Tommy Cannon and Bob Mortimer Uh, There are three tickets left as I talk to you, so get there quick if you want to come and see that. Also, it's richardherring.com slash rahalastapa. Come and see me on tour doing stand-up for the first time in six years. richardherring.com slash ballback coming lots of places around England and some places in Scotland. Uh, And that's about it for the moment. All right, sit back, relax, and enjoy rahalastapa. Don't
1: drink the milk. Don't drink the milk. Don't drink the milk. No, this isn't a podcast about milk. If you like historical intrigue, a bit of culture, and a sprinkling of controversy, this one's for you. I'm Rachel Stewart, and I'm travelling around Europe. Following the hidden history of everyday things as they're exported through time and around the world, by force, by chance, or by choice. No need to pack your bags. Just subscribe to Don't Drink the Milk wherever you listen to podcasts. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com
0: Hello and welcome to another Rahalaspa. Yes, I'm in my dressing gown. It's the middle of the day when I'm recording this. Fuck you. It's lockdown. Yeah, my hair looks a mess. I haven't been able to go to the hairdressers. Have you been observing what's going on? Stop having a fucking go at me. Anyway, this week it's with Nish Kumar. Very exciting that this show was recorded in an actual theatre, the wonderful Clapham Grand. Um, There was no actual audience, but there was, I mean, you know, they were an actual audience, but they weren't in the room. They were online. I think if you're watching the video, you might be able to see some of their stupid nerdy faces. Uh, They were lovely. Thank you very much to everyone who paid to watch it live. Um, Sorry, there were a few technical difficulties, but now you can enjoy it um, without those technical difficulties. Um, Nish is too modest to tell you in this interview, but I'm going to tell you for him. On March the 19th, he has two albums dropping. Um, Dropping means coming out. I'm surprised they're still called albums. Albums. It's a sort of mixture of the old and the new. Uh, They're called It's In Your Nature To Destroy Yourselves, Part 1 and 2. Nish is generally one of the best stand-ups working in the UK today, so I thoroughly recommend you buy those uh, or listen to those albums. I don't even know if you have to pay or not. I expect you to. What kind of world would it be where someone just gave out loads of content for nothing? They would be insane. They'd end up sitting in an attic in a dressing gown, just talking to puppets. Uh, talking of which, my Twitch channel continues, twitch.tv slash RK Herring. Uh, Mondays, Wednesdays and Thursdays are usually nights are coming up. And you can see Rahula recorded live on Wednesday nights at 8pm usually. Uh, we've got some great guests coming up, including Jeremy Paxman. Um, Alice Fraser should be uh, tonight if you're watching this live. I'm listen to this live. And a uh, couple of acts, Brian Reagan from America... And Mary Lynn Rack-sharp. don't know how to say her second name yet, but um, i work that out. Uh, she is from The Larry Sanders Show, 24, fantastic comedian and actor. Um, and I will work out how to say her name before I meet her. That's just the kind of guy I am. Um, if you enjoy these, please do support us by buying a badge. Go fasterstripe.com slash badges. But let's sit back, relax, and enjoy rahalastapa <laughs> Please welcome a man who's just delighted to be out of the house, it's Richard Herring. Hello! Yes! We're here, we're live. Welcome to Richard Herring's lovely South London theatre podcast. Uh, Though I was hanging around with all these nerds. Look at the state of the people who have paid to see this. (laughs) And Sky Brewer is the only one who looks like a normal human being, the rest of them... I'm not even sure about Sky. They all call it but anyway, and they can do in the chat right now if they wish. Welcome. It's very exciting to uh, be out in a theatre, very exciting to be doing this live. Anything could happen. I could say bum if I wanted, and no one could stop me. Oh, that's pretty much true uh, always. Um, let's see. We've got Andy McH is in there, of course. Uh, there's a few, uh, few people. As there was a cat in earlier with Lydia. Oh, there's Lydia. There's a cat. I don't know if the cat's called Lydia, or whether the person behind the cat is called Lydia. Uh, of course, like there's pe- more than one pe- pe- person in some of these rooms, which is uh, meaning they're getting a very cheap ticket, isn't it? Uh, luckily, most of you are sad and alone. So, <laughs> I <laughs> it when it says 350, 400 people, it it more or less is. Thanks to the loneliness and singleness of most of the people who enjoy this podcast. <laughs> so thank you very much. Thanks very much for paying. Uh, and there is another one coming up after this as well. So do hang around, but not in the same room. I'll tell you about that at the end. Um, what's going on? Oh, I don't know if you saw um, uh, Wayne's World is back. It's slightly, Slightly terrifying... Uh, advert featuring Mike Myers and Dana Carvey as uh, as Mike, Mike uh, as uh, Wayne and Garth. I mean, it's just imagine a man in his 50s still doing the same stuff he did in the 1990s from his own house, Try beaming that out, and st- absolutely pathetic. What they're getting paid millions of dollars? are oh. oh, they they beat me. Uh, I think there should be a horror film with Garth, the 50-something-year-old Garth, it's still in the same clothes and wig, but with his terrible, terrifying, wrinkly old man's face. Uh, good luck to them. It's nice to see them back. Um, I I did my last podcast with Danny Robbins, and we talked mainly about polter- poltergeists and ghosts uh, back in my own home. Uh, and um, the night that we had that conversation, I was woken up at 12.30 a.m., when my Apple Pod, my new Apple Pod that I've got in my kitchen, suddenly came on, on its own, full blast, playing a song. I have no idea what the song was. It wasn't one of my songs or a song I'd requested, to the extent that it woke me up upstairs and I had to come down, and it was just absolutely, completely... And that, now, that is a sophisticated ghost to be able to say, hey, Siri, play something that will scare the shit out of the people in the house. So uh, it is slightly scary. I think our poltergeist is back. Um, and, yeah, we are doing two shows in one night here today it's never been attempted with realista before and uh it, something might go terribly wrong but hopefully it should it should be okay uh people are drinking uh, uh, let's ask you can put your answer in the chat or you can hold up your hands do you pr- would you prefer to have a hand made out of ham or an armpit that dispenses sun cream put your hand up for ham and put your armpit up for armpit Let's see, let's see how we go. Stuart Light was straight, and he, he's been thinking about it. It's mainly hands. No one's putting their armpit up. Oh, is that an armpit, Sky, or is that a hand? I can't tell. Um, good. My God, what is Simon George? <laughs> it's a terrifying. Simon George has just paid to have a terrifying, what looks to me, slightly racist puppet. I will talk to Nish Kumar about this in a second. He can tell me if it's racist or not. <laughs> i'm not i'm not at liberty to say but it looks unless that's your face simon in which case it's me who's the racist uh i think you'll have a look so it's very still if it is him, one of danny robbins um haunted podcasts is about a south african man living during apartheid who is haunted by a six foot tall gollywog uh, that appears to him uh, in his outside his bedroom and so i've i'm slightly feeling that might be what's happening to me now uh, i don't think i deserve it i'm, I'm I'm a nice guy. Anyway, look, we're going to crack on because we've only got uh, an hour. And, uh, oh, look, Siri's come alive because I said, hey, Siri, go away. Um, My guest tonight is probably best known for appearing on 50 Funniest Moments of 2013. He did so well that they asked him back for the 50 Funniest Moments of 2014. But he wasn't as good on that, so he didn't come back for the 50 Funniest Moments of 2015. Ladies and gentlemen, it was Nish Kumar. Michael Sheen was unavailable. Nish
2: Kumar, he's here. Hello. Hi, Rich. How are you doing? How are you? Yeah, very good. I'm Great to see you. I'm really... I'm so excited to see other human beings. (laughs) I'm even pleased to see you, Richard. That's how bad things are. (laughs) It is bad.
0: (laughs) You used to stare at me out your back window. Yeah, I did. When you were throwing eggs and feces at
2: me. Yeah, yeah. I
0: just... What do you think of Simon? Simon George, bottom, second from the from the left there at the bottom. Okay, first
2: of all, I do enjoy that uh, you've gone to my primary role which is um <laughs> explaining whether things are racist to white men in Thank their 50s. <laughs> that's my primary function uh, in life. I think Simon George that does look like a doll from is it from the How to Train Your Dragon franchise? Oh, it looks that's... like a dragon from How to Train Your Dragon. Oh. Yes, it's nodding. No, oh, so it's not racist. So and it... uh, now I get to use my new catchphrase. It's not racist, <laughs> it's a dragon. And that's a new game show format that I'll be selling to uh, any commissioners that are interested. <laughs> that's nice.
0: I like the fact Simon is uh, he's committed to this. He's, yeah, he's sitting just off to the Simon's side. Simon's
2: refusing to uh, appear himself and has instead left the dragon. And listen, lockdown has affected us in a lot of different ways. And Simon clearly has had a breakdown <laughs> and thinks he's a stuffed dragon. I mean do you think it is a good thing to be so clearly able to see your own audience and assess? No, I don't think it I mean I think it's a good it's not a good thing for you. No, it says That's a what l- I'll say.
0: <laughs> it says a lot about look at their <laughs> look at their bored. Face. A they're not having fun. And B and B they're just sitting there judging me. They dare judge me. Look at that bearded guy there, George
2: He's what he's got he's, he's on the background of threads. Stuart Light looks like he got some awful news half an hour before the podcast. Ah. he looks ri- oh no he's just shaking his head <laughs> <laughs> he's, just, he's just very depressed they're
0: just sad i mean it's a sad it's a sad time <laughs> and it's lovely for you all to join us thank you very
1: much com- oh no steel light's on. laughing now steel Light. so we a got a a one laugh and that We've is that one. is better than usual
2: i've had worse gigs <laughs> you certainly have we would
0: almost <laughs> certainly talk about one of them
2: So um, it's a A nice town. Lot lot last year. Um, So like when. So it's weird being back here because this is the room where we were just talking about this before we started. But we did, um, Kiri and Jade's a musical show here, uh, where they get comedians to sing songs from musicals, and we did a special episode. Sorry, we did a special show around the Buffy the Vampire Slayer musical episode, and like we, it was like. It was amazing, and it was full for two nights. And then Joss Whedon, who created Buffy, turned up Brilliant. and watched. And, like, it was f- oh, oh, fucking amazing. <laughs> and that was probably the last good thing that happened. <laughs> um, but then pretty much as soon as the lockdown started, pretty much the first, the first week of lockdown, we were supposed to do the last series, the latest series of The MASH Report. Yeah. And so we then sort of very had to quit. Like, Basically, I, I had to get a camera crew in my house to set up a camera, and they had to, like, disinfect outside my house. And uh, I'll cut to the quick, Rich. My neighbours think I'm in porn. My (laughs) neighbours all think that I've opened an OnlyFans account and have been making some very high-res porn because a man basically dropped camera equipment that he disinfected outside my house, and then just put it in my house. (laughs) It
0: was good, though. I mean, it was good to see you were maybe one of the first shows. That yeah, we were very,
2: to, we were, I think us and Have I Got News For You were like right. scheduled to start the first week back. Right. And it was, um, you know, it was exciting stuff. It was very exciting stuff. It's, um, it's like, it was weird to know what time to pitch it at and also it required a lot of technical expertise that I still don't fucking understand. <laughs> and um, it was, yeah, it was really, really weird.
0: Well, you had quite good cameras, which is, that's explained by them being delivered, but like yeah. for a while... My, the thing I was doing from home, the snooker and stuff I was yeah. doing from home, was higher quality than anything on the BBC, which <laughs> 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 was quite astonishing. And I didn't have that expensive a camera. We'd set up our cameras just literally the weekend before lockdown. Yeah. We had been planning to do it anyway, so it wasn't just like, oh, let's get it all in. And we hadn't, I hadn't thought we'd do as much as we did. But yeah, we thought, oh, well, let's get some decent HD yeah, cameras. Yeah. But like, literally, and even now, a lot of my guests on the on this, when I'm doing it via Zoom, have very, very poor. Yeah, the setups. Equipment. The
2: yeah, it's um, it's it, the the varying quality of people's technical setups is very is very visible. But like, we we just my producer was very, uh, very perceptive and very early on, when when Johnson gave the press conference, that said where he said like oh, it's going to be fine, I went to a COVID ward, I shook hands with everybody, and nothing bad has happened to me or will ever happen to me, and I see no consequences from this decision. My producer was like, we're fucked. We need to make a plan. He did not trust any of the information coming out of the government for the first week of March, and he was correct not to. He was absolutely correct to not trust any of that. Don't worry, it's going to be fine. Let's go to Cheltenham and lick horses. He didn't trust any of that shit. And so he had made quite a lot of contingencies. So I think when we started doing the show, we were like unusually well prepared. Right. Um, but only because of the complete and utter lack of faith that my producer had in our Prime Minister and our government. <laughs> 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 and
0: you were also doing a show. I mean, The Mash Report was great. I thought it did. you did a great... Did you, were you, you clean-shaven for The Mash? Yeah, what basically. Happened? What happened with this?
2: <sighs> so I had to do my own hair and makeup, and I tried to trim my beard, and I shaved the whole thing off <laughs> by complete accident. And it was a fucking disaster. And so then I... Because I'd, like, shaved a massive streak in it, And so then I was like, well, I'll probably just shave the whole thing off. And so we then, we talked about it on the show and stuff. And then in December, I was supposed to do Big Fat Quiz of the Year. And I was like, I'm surely not going to fuck up shaving my face (laughs) twice. And then I ended up shaving the entire thing off. I thought it'd be funny to leave a moustache. It wasn't funny. It made me look like a sex offender. And loads of people were tweeting me afterwards being like, don't let this man near your primary school. And I was like, it's just a (laughs) moustache. Not a pedo. It's not my... Fault that it's I can't weird. shave it's my weird. face. I had, I grew a moustache for November. And yeah, uh,
0: this is part of the reason I started doing Peter Dibdin, which is my old driving instructor character. As a result, because I suddenly <laughs> looked at myself, went fuck, I just look exactly like the character I wrote when I was 25, and I'm now the right age to play it. But uh, yeah, it was, a, I, I was. I kept it for a while because I suddenly started getting roles. I got acting parts. So I thought this will be good for. This. <laughs> There's acting, You're back. I'm back. You're finally those, back. Because sta- also, you don't need to do any acting if you've got a moustache. Is if that the must- right? The moustache just does it all for. The moustache follows people around the room.
2: Oh, that, well, that explains why everyone loves There Will Be Blood. <laughs> That's not Daniel Day-Lewis <laughs> acting. People just love his moustache. It's
0: a moustache. So you don't need to... I had uh, big glasses and a moustache. There's no... There's nothing... You don't need to do anything.
2: <laughs> Groucho <so> Marx <laughs> made a whole career out were. of just having big glasses and a moustache. But let's tell... So Quibby, you were... And the, then I did... And then I did Quibi. show for Quibi for like four months, yeah. which Quibi was unfortunately the first app to die of coronavirus. <laughs> it's, cl- it's never added on any of the statistics, but they should have, at the end of the statistics, they should say, and also one app bit the farm. Um, Quibi was, uh, it was a short form content that people had to subscribe to. Right. And it did not fare well. But I can't, it's weird because I can't really speak ill of it at all because ultimately I wor- we got like 4 months of work out of it yeah. it was fucking amazing <laughs> and like when when it all because it, we was we were you know we were renewed and we were supposed to be finishing we were doing a show about the american like a uk perspective on the american election right. and it was really good fun and we were, all the people I was working with were all my friends and we were having a great time And they extended us right up to the election. We were supposed to go to two weeks after the election. And then I got a text message from the head of my, from my executive producer. Uh, I basically, we were doing weird hours because we were working with American stuff. So I actually fell asleep at like seven o'clock in 7 p.m. And I woke up like an hour later and all I saw was a text message that just said, I want you to know I'm looking into this and we'll get back to you as soon as I have concrete answers. And I was like, well, that's not going to be good. <laughs> like, that's not, no one looks into things because they're going too well. And that was how I found... And it got, like, leaked in the press that right. Quibi was going under. Um, but it was, I mean, it was great. It was Was it
0: your fault that it went under, do you think? Was it Listen, you?
2: I don't think it's very helpful to start doling out blame, Richard. Okay? It, 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 I don't think it's very helpful at all. It's like When the Titanic went down, no one was like, whose fault was this? They were just like, let's try and... and... Actually, no, they were like, whose yeah. fault? There was quite a specific inquest. With
0: COVID, then, uh, that Boris Johnson is very much saying, let's, now is not the time to work out what we're doing wrong. The time for that is down the
2: line. So that's the same for you, right? Listen, I, will, I, I believe that there should be a public inquiry into Quibi. I believe that. I just think that at the moment, it's a bit soup <laughs> for a public inquiry. Let's give it 15, 20, 100
1: years.
0: Okay. I'm delighted it failed. Why?
2: Because,
0: <laughs> not so much for you, but because... I'm um, <laughs> delighted it failed. <laughs> Hold on. My, my ben Walker's trying to ring because I accidentally <laughs> rang him. Um, because it was created by Jeffrey Katzenberg. Yeah. And he made the decision to cut the song The Love Is Gone from The Muppet Christmas Carol, and it was right. an incorrect decision. Yes,
2: I, do. I, I, I did read that subsequently, and, yes.
0: Uh, and thus, I think this is payback for his poor decision. <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting that the minute Quibi went down, they discovered the actual footage and they of put that, it b- so they're they, going to put it, put it on. back in they're gonna put Right, it back yeah, in.
2: yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. that
0: is all I can say. I
2: think I thought when you said you were delighted, you had some sort of personal show business beef. <laughs> But it turns out you're just angry about something that happened to a children's film 30 <laughs> years ago. It's not a children's film. It's the greatest <laughs> film ever created. I just saw it for the first time what? this Christmas. I'd never seen Muppet Christmas Carol. You I just have saw to watch it, the, it with the love time.
0: is gone in it, first of all, for it to make any kind of sense. Right, right, right. Otherwise, <laughs> it's just nonsense. It's just a
2: man talking <laughs> to a load of puppets. But once the love is gone, <laughs> is back in there... Does that song explain why they're Muppets? Because I have to say, otherwise that film makes, or, or if anything, too much sense.
0: Yeah. Uh, it does. It explains everything. And come on. it's the, I think there should have been an Oscar for Michael Caine. It's Michael Caine's greatest performance. It's
2: a, it's a brilliant movie. And it's there a... should have
0: been an Oscar for Beaker as well. I, I genuinely yeah, believe Beaker it. Beaker is great. He's only got a small part, best supporting actor. But uh, I, I noticed this year for the first time, just as he leaves in his scene, he goes... Beep. Yeah. And it's a very well-timed.
2: <laughs> oh, it's. I mean, it's a perfect movie. Like A Muppet Christmas Carol is an absolute. I am a frequent guest on Brett Goldstein's yeah, film he podcast, yeah. and Brett repeatedly says there is there's no such thing as a perfect film <laughs> apart from A Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> and I think, and I watched it over Christmas. And I have to say, I agree. Good. And I think they should now veto any. Adaptations of other classic novels, or like I really liked the David Copperfield movie, yeah. Because again, I thought like, oh, you know, let's do something fun with it, you know, let's get either Muppets or brown people. <laughs> yeah. That's those are the only times. I don't want to see another fucking Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> I don't want to see another fucking Ben-Hur unless it's Muppets or brown people. If you get Muppets and brown people, immediate Oscar. That's an immediate Oscar. If yeah. you've got brown people and admi- If Dev Patel... What about and 12, 12
0: Years a, sh- a Slave with the Muppets in it, with one, well, one black person and the rest
2: of Muppets... I will accept that if the white people are all muppets. Okay. That's the only way I think you could that's the only way I think you could do twelve
0: years a Slave. Or would it be better if if the slaves are all muppets? Would that make would that make it
2: more sympathetic? <laughs> I to, don't know that it's possible. The people who for a Muppet 12 Years a Slave to be any more or less offensive. (laughs) I feel like once you've used the phrase 12 Years a Muppet Slave... Is it 12 12 Muppet Years a Slave? 12 Years a Muppet Slave. I think once you've entered into that area, you may as well just go all out and make them all Muppets. Okay. I think that once you... I think that there's no... (laughs) I think that there's no value in, like, oh, maybe it's less offensive if we do one of those two things.
0: I should add... The Muppet Christmas Carol is worse with "The Love Is Gone" in it. Is it worse? Wh- why is it worse? Because it's quite boring. But you need to have it. In. It was still the right. He still made the wrong choice. And I hope the rest of his, I hope everything he does turns to shit in his hands. Well,
2: let's not go that far. I hope everything he does results in a short-term financial bump for me, and then goes to shit. I, I hope to ta- be involved at some way that benefits me financially in all Jeffrey Katzenberg's future business endeavours, even when they go completely wrong.
0: So are you having some time off now, or is there more... Oh, Richard, I am off as
2: off can possibly be. I am off as... I I woke up this morning... uh, This is like the last two days I've been up at uh, 8 a.m. both days. Right. Just to watch cricket. That's the only reason (laughs) I'm getting up. Otherwise, I mean, it is... I, I I'm wearing trousers, yeah, like not jeans i 'm wearing trousers as a mark of respect Thank you. for this podcast. <laughs> I feel like this is a big opportunity for me because yeah. the first this is my third time on here, the first time you were uh, sort of I could feel in the subtext you were disappointed with the size of the audience I'd pulled. (laughs) And then that made its way from the subtext to the text when you said, I'm disappointed with the size of the audience. (laughs) Then the second time, you booked Michael Sheen and he dropped out and I was your most available (laughs) guest. (laughs) And so the third time, now I'm here on my own terms. People have paid um, and also dragons have paid. And this is a big fucking opportunity for me. <laughs> I really feel like if this goes well, things could start turning around How for many me. of them
0: are paid for me and how many of them are paid for you? If you paid because it's niche, could you raise your hand now? For the, just as a little sample screen. Oh, there is a... Th- oh, oh, yeah. For Not
2: the benefit me. of the people listening on the audio, <laughs> all of the hands have gone up. No, about how, the right. hands have gone up. It's like, uh, it's like Munich in the mid-30s, the hands raised.
0: <laughs> pa- they've paid for both, says uh, Ben Stride Darnley. <laughs> To everyone, so, as long so, as so,
2: as long as people haven't paid, despite me being here, that would be the uh, the worst the worst thing. Andy McCage just said he paid for Lou. Shut the fuck up, Andy McCage.
0: Well, it is stupid because that's a separate payment and it's the next one. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me.
1: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
0: So let's talk. We did mention that you'd had a, a ba- one bad gig in your life. <laughs> <laughs> I've had
2: one bad, talking gig. About bad gig. Otherwise, it's been 13 years <laughs> of uninterrupted success. And this happened since you You have last on. one bad gig. <laughs> and it dominates the news cycle for 24 hours. And
0: I want to get it back in there. I want it to f- feature... Um, at the Lord Taverners gig. Now, I was surprised to find out that this was an afternoon gig as I researched it. Yeah, it was an <laughs>
2: afternoon gig. Say what you will about me, but I can turn any room, Richard. I can turn any room. Let I me. can make a bear pit out of a sandbox full of puppies. I can cre- I can manufacture. I, give me ten minutes and I can turn this room into a nightmare. And there's only six people here and they're all being paid. Oh, I can turn it round. You fuck... I can find some way of upsetting all of you fucking camera operators. (laughs) Don't worry. I don't think... I I know how to push Lou Sanders' buttons. Stood at the back. There she is.
0: Well, so it was an afternoon gig. It was for charity.
2: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It was an afternoon gig for charity. What could possibly go wrong? Uh,
0: The Lord Daveners... uh, this is my favourite bit. Okay. I've, 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 I haven't seen it. I've only read transcripts.
2: Oh, have you only. You, you haven't seen the footage? <laughs> I haven't watched Oh, it. you've got to see the footage, okay, I Rich. I it's know where it's there quite was spectacular. Footage.
0: I should have known this would happen when I, this is you, I should have known this would happen.
2: <laughs> now, before you read yeah. this, I will say that sure of its context, <laughs> this presents me in quite a negative light. Okay? I just, want to, I just want to get that in there. Carry on.
0: I should have known this would happen when I agreed to do a set in front of people who colonised my ancestors. <laughs> it's okay. One man at the, from the shouted back, that was ages ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favourite bit. That was ages ago. <laughs> what about now? That was ages, that was ages ago. ago. That's his heckle. That's I'm his heckle. really
2: pleased that. Okay, I'm not really pleased. I I'm pleased that they kept they kept the transcript of that in because sometimes these things happen <laughs> to me and I think people don't believe that they happened to me, and so it's good that there was like you know documentary evidence. Look, the Lord's Taverners. It's a great charity, and they provide sport. It's all done through, it's somehow affiliated to Lord's Cricket Ground, and it's very affiliated to, like, the English cricket boards and stuff. And they provide sporting equipment to kids from low-income families and uh, disabled kids. It's a fantastic charity, and, like, I've done loads of stuff with them before, and they have this big Christmas lunch every year, and I've been to the lunch before. And so I know the, t- I know the crowd, uh, you know, and it is, like, it can be a little bit, you know, spicy, which is ironic, given I imagine most of them would consider pepper to be a bit much. But like, it's... um... So they asked me if I wanted to do it, and I said yes. And um, the first couple of minutes went very well, which did not make it into any of the goddamn news reports at the time. No one talks about how much fun they were having on the Titanic before it hit the iceberg. (laughs) Okay, I've seen the film. They were having fun doing Irish jigs in the basement. No one talks about that. That's not in the Celine Dion songs. Um, And anyway, because it was going well, I thought, you know, it was like 10 days before the election in 2019. And I thought, you know, I just thought, let's bring up Brexit and just see how it you know. And there's a lot of like influence because also it was so weird because like John Burkow was there. Like and so it was it was it was a strange old audience, and I just thought you know what 's the harm and also I sort of thought you know if you you know you may as well make jokes to these people they you know these are these are people who are you know powerful and influential people, surely they won 't and it 's a charity gig, like how upset can they get anyway? A man <laughs> threw a bread roll at me <laughs> a man threw a bread roll at me, and the problem is it was um it, it was not <laughs> accurate and so it i actually had to ask the audience because it had like rolled somewhere next to me and it was so far away from me that i had to say did someone throw that at me? And Tim Key was there. There were other comedians there. Tim Key was there, Chris Addison was there, John Robbins was there, and we were all, Miles Jutt was there, and there was a table of them right down the front, and I said, did someone throw that bread roll at me? And I could just see Key's big moon face just looking at me, just nodding his head going, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That was someone threw that, someone threw that bread roll at you. Um and sort of all hell broke loose. And then um, a man dressed like Sergeant Pepper <laughs> appeared. And he, and he was like, listen, I've been asked to leave the stage before on many occasions, Richard. I don't mean to brag, but I'm quite bad at my job. And But this time, he was the most undignified thing because he just took the microphone off me and said, Now is the time for the raffle. <laughs> and it was, you know... And, and so, anyway, I sort of get off stage, and then it was like we all went out and got drunk afterwards. Like, me and Key and Addison and Robbins, there were a whole bunch of us, went out and got drunk. And, you know, when something happens in a room, you're like, you know, they, I, they kind of have the right to boo you. Like, if they've paid yeah. for it, they kind of have the right to boo I would draw the line at throwing bread rolls, but, you know, also I would say if you're... Of a political persuasion that has supported a party that's resulted in massively increased food bank usage. Possibly throwing food around. It's not the best look. Like, the optics of that are suboptimal. But I, I didn't mind any of that stuff. And then when we were at the pub, I, somebody uh, texted me and was like, why are you in the fucking Daily Telegraph? <laughs> and someone had filmed a video of it. Right. And it, had, it, it was on the Telegraph. And then the next 24 hours was like absolute chaos right. um, because it was like, you know, it was it was it was on all the press. My cousin in Singapore phoned my mum to tell her. That's how my mum found out. And like within twenty four hours, you're like, and then the as usual with these things, it's like it then spirals out of control, and then the death threats start, and suddenly you're like, and so there's a certain like level of death threat where you're just like, that's fine there's a certain level of death threat if you're like if you're like a like woman or a person of color or someone from the lgbtq community if you do anything in the public eye there is a certain level of death threat that you have to just let slide because otherwise you would do nothing else (laughs) otherwise your job would be comedian slash death threat administrator (laughs) so there's a certain level that you just have to like if i may use a cricket terminology just Leave outside your off stump. Like, just let it go past. But then there's, like, a couple of points where, like, a couple of them got quite specific. And then it also, like, it, your kind of mental state gets quite addled because then journalists start calling you from uh, unknown numbers. And, like, I don't know how these fucking people get – and they weren't calling my agent. They were phoning my my personal mobile phone. Right. And then when you ask them how they got the number, they're like, oh, you know, I just picked it. And you're like, what the f- <laughs> who the fuck is passing <laughs> around my phone number? And then... And then the pro- and so then there's a certain point where you're like... My agent was like, we've got to speak to the police about this. So then the problem is, you have, to t- <laughs> you have to talk to a policeman who's like, so can you tell me what happened? And you're like, well, it all started with me being pelted with bread. <laughs> and... I don't think I've ever respected anyone more than the policeman not just immediately laughing in my <laughs> fucking face. Like, he, the fact that he got through that meeting with a straight face blew my mind. But it's just it's it's just really weird, and you sort of see how the, the news cycle works. And it's like, I don't have a better metaphor for it than this, but the way that these kind of culture war style things happen is that you... You know, they start, they get picked up and reported by the kind of respectable end of the conservative press. And then it's like a human centipede effect where it gets like shat into the mouth of then the like talk radio people. Yeah. And they swallow it down and then they shit it into the mouth of. There's got to be a better metaphor than this. (laughs) And then they shit it into the mouth of these sort of like, uh, you know, right-wing pundits that sort of do the talk show circuit. And by the process of the digestion and the shitting and the digestion of the shitting, by the end it comes out that I like walked on stage and was like, right, everyone who voted Brexit up against the wall, I'm going to shoot you. And in the meantime, I will be masturbating over this picture of Lenin. While you all line up, let me sing the red flag as I massage my erect penis whilst reading extracts from Karl Marx's Capital. Whereas actually what I did was say some like mildly, just very mild things about Brexit. (laughs) You know... (laughs)
0: <laughs> it seems a shame to want to kill you when you've already died as well. That doesn't seem fair. You've died on yeah, stage. Yeah, I died on stage. And then they're
2: saying, now we're going to kill you as well. They're really like, luckily I'm a Hindu, so I believe in reincarnation. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't know how I'd have psychologically processed that death. But yeah, it's it, it's just interesting to see how the cycle of outrage works and how it's kind of... And the thing is, when it's me, when it's a comedian being hit by bread, you're like, that is if it wasn't me, I'd think it was fucking hilarious. And I do respect (laughs) the number of my friends that have not laughed in my face about this whole story. And the problem is, when it's a comedian being hit by bread, it's relatively benign. Like, what it represents might be unpleasant in terms of what opinions are allowed to express, and certainly there's an edge of um, what opinions about a country that I was born in, I am allowed to express as a brown man. There's definitely a lot of, like, unpleasant edges to all of it. But the the problem is that when it's a story like Comedian Gets Hit With Bread, that's one thing. But when it's a story like Lockdowns Are All Bullshit, and that is getting sprayed through the kind of right-wing human centipede thing, that's when it's really bad, because that's when it starts at, like killing people. Yeah. And that's the, kind of, that's the sort of problem we're in in this country at the moment, is that there is, there is a very like well-oiled machine of... Right-wing outrage that can culture war literally anything. Like you would think, you you would think that people not dying of a disease is something that you can't have a political perspective (laughs) on. You would think like everyone is like, oh no. I like my gran, <laughs> but it turns out that is naive beyond belief. <laughs> but anyway, I, you know, it, it was a, it, it was funny because it was like 10 days before the election. And yeah. like somehow me, a bread roll rolling <laughs> near me is like worthy of being the number one red story on every fucking news website in the yeah. world.
0: Well, again, look, there's, I mean, it, it's interesting because like when I have certain people on the podcast. Yeah. They, and I can't see the connection between them all. I don't see color, so I can't can't see. I just look and go, what's the connection between Nish and Sophie Duca? Why are are people so cross about them? And is it just because they're outspoken about politics? But it, you know, it is, it's the minute, you know, you don't, I mean, it often happens with female comedians as well, I have to say. But it's just like people have this knee jerk reaction. They decide, but they've decided without. You know, I had a little discussion with some people on the Instagram post saying, does anybody find Nishkubar funny? And I'm going, you know, like for a comedian to successfully have a career, there must be somebody. I mean, not me. Not me, mate. No, I'm with you. No, I was trying to put Michael Sheen again. I couldn't be more against this. Somebody must, surely. And if they don't, what an amazing human being it must be to have somehow fashioned this comedy career and performed in front of paying audiences. But, but, you know, people are... I mean, it's sort of... That's how that right-wing approach has got, that it's they're finding other ways. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. And also on the left-wing as well, I have to say, to, to... Attack the people they want to attack without. Yeah. So these these things were kind of coded. There's a thing in the Spectator, which I I don't know if you read your reviews, and uh, you wouldn't expect the Spectator to like you very much anyway, Nish. <laughs> Uh, about the MASH report. The MASH report, which the BBC believes is a satire show, but which neutral viewers regard as a weekly political seminar that teaches liberals to avoid thinking for themselves. That's what neutrals think about it. So imagine what right-wing people are thinking about it. People are going, well, that's just uh, that's a seminar to stop liberal people. Yeah,
2: and also, who are these neutrals? Who are these neutrals that they keep on... Like, it's like half the country has decided we are Switzerland about everything. Apparently, <laughs> they're always like, "What? Where? Where is the?" And it is really weird because you kind of go, "We just want things to be funny, but also neutral." And you are like, <laughs> "Nothing is neutral, really. Like everything has a point of view about something, and sure. neutrality is not like a great basis for comedy." <laughs> you know, it's like it's so weird. There is a really great joke in Futurama where there is like a neutral planet, right? And I always think about it whenever they bring up, like, neutrality. And there's, I think there's, like a, a, like, a meteor or something coming towards the neutral planet, and one of the guys from the neutral planet says, tell my wife I said, hello. <laughs> <laughs> and it always makes me laugh when I think about this. Like, But it's, it, it, it's not neutral. They don't. They never mean neutrality. What they mean is just say Brexit is great and just admit that white people are better. Like, why don't you just ever admit that white people are better? And it's never... The thing is, the face of white supremacy, and I've always maintained this, is the least supreme elements of the white right. Ra- if Brad Pitt came out in favour of white supremacy, you'd be like, let's have that conversation. If Brad Pitt and Amy Adams were white supremacists, I'd be like, fair. Fair. <laughs> let's have that. Well, I don't agree personally, but let's have the conversation. But it's always these like, scurvy-faced motherfuckers that look like bits are falling off them when you're not looking. Like, it's all these, like, weird Mr. Potato, partially reassembled Mr. Potato Head dudes. Yeah. But, I mean, listen, the spectator is entitled to uh, their opinion, and I'm entitled to um, my opinion that I wouldn't wipe my ass with the spectator (laughs) because I believe it would try and have my anus deported. (laughs) The spectator
0: also suggested that you want more racism (laughs) because your livelihood depends on it. So, if you think about it, if racism was sorted out, what would you, what would you do then, Nish? Yeah, it's. I mean, so what, you for, are for me I think you're going out fermenting racism. Yeah, yeah, I do. In order
2: <laughs> that you can still work. That's. I have tried to like. I'm like operating like a producer style scheme here, where I'm like trying to like game the entire system. For me, someone like Martin Luther King, I'm always like. I have a dream that we will <laughs> never be equal. I, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, you, you know, it's that thing of like, what would you do if, the, what would you talk about if there wasn't racism? You like anything else? <laughs> Any of the many things that I would like to talk about. There are so many things that I would like to talk about. And but also, you do talk
0: about. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just like just bullshit. <laughs> what you, live at the Apollo. That wasn't about. Yeah.
2: it's really it is just um yeah it is very strange because it's there's a lot of intellectual uh, inconsistencies in the things that they're saying because they're sort of saying that one one element of the critique is um listen comedians should be free to talk about anything but these comedians shouldn't talk about that (laughs) and you kind of go i can't believe that you guys can't see the inconsistencies in their position but they can they're just you know it's all it's all unfortunately we're in a place where the media landscape is dependent on outrage in order to generate revenue and that's sort of a, that's a problem i yeah. think in terms of the coverage and well, we're I'm, also in a media landscape where and if you think about if you just think about the volumes and the way i mean you you know if you think about the divisions that are created politically, you're sort of talking about, like, The Guardian and The Independent. The BBC is kind of caught in between everything. And then the kind of other side of it is The Telegraph, The Mail, the, you know, The Times. If you think about it, you, you look at it, and if you were in favour of impartiality in the media, you would look at it and go, ah, oh, there's an overcorrection the other way Yeah. in terms of where the British press is. And uh, I am in favour of balance in the press. I think part of the problem is at the moment we've got the balance very wrong and we're skewing hard the other way. You know, outside of The Guardian and The Independent and The Mirror, if you look at the rest of the printed press, it's definitely skewing in one direction and we definitely saw that in terms of Brexit and we're definitely seeing that in terms of the way the lockdown is being written about. I mean, there's been some excellent journalism actually in The Times covering, certainly in the first couple of weeks in March, covering how, you know, Johnson was missing Cobra meetings. they weren't. There's a lot of really good journalism that happened in the first couple of weeks. But it's sort of more the op-ed pages where, you know, I just, I find no one likes lockdowns. That's what I think is f- mad when yeah. people are like, the pro. we're anti-lockdown. You're like, yeah, fucking everyone's anti-lockdown, mate. None of us are having a good time. I'm bored of wanking. That's how bad lockdown has got. It's, you know, it, 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 no one's in favour of it, but I am I would rather that we all just lock down than have a bunch of people die. Like, yeah. surely that's something we would all be able to... <laughs> <laughs> but then you say that and you get called a cuck. <laughs> and
0: well, it's you know, you want something to be true enough. I mean, there's a lot of uh, politics of sort of belief rather than of fact now. Yes. Yeah, sure. Again, maybe on both sides. <laughs> and... Uh, and if you want something to be true, then you can sort of convince yourself that it must be true. Yeah. And no, yeah, like you say, nobody, I don't want to be in lockdown. I can think of lots of reason, <laughs> arguments why I shouldn't be in lockdown. But <laughs> I'm grudgingly. I'm grud, I would like the old people whose lives I'm saving to say, hey, th- thanks for doing that. We're not going to have Brexit anymore so as a little thank you to you. I'd like that to happen. Rather than them getting away all the time, but um, no, I'm delighted to I'm delighted to be saved in their their lives. I'm yeah,
2: you're welcome, oldies. You're welcome. I, 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 two comedians have been mildly inconvenienced. Not really financially. Actually, they've both done fine out of it. But they've been mildly inconvenienced. Are to be you? honest, I live in the countryside. It's the same.
0: It's the same as a normal, are normal disaster year. Are we capitalists? Yes, I think we are. Well, it's been all, it's been all right for me, and that's all that's all I can care. That's all I can. Yeah, I've done pretty well out of it. Thanks, thanks Zoom. <laughs> your new corporate sponsor, Zoom.
2: Zoom. Turn your screen off when you're going for a shit. Zoom.
0: So let's. uh Well, look. I also. I, I don't know if I've really picked this up before with any of the many alumni of Durham University. Yes. But your little group from Durham University seemed to have done pretty incredibly well. There's yeah, a, there, there was, was a like sort of golden period of comedy. That.
2: Yeah, it's funny. There were just a lot of people at, seemingly at that university at the same time yeah. that all were interested in pursuing comedy careers. And then have successfully managed to do it. It's, I don't really, I, I have no idea why that is. It, it, but, you know, it's amazing. I mean, I like, mean it's never
0: happened before because all the funny people go to Oxford and Cambridge. So it's, <laughs> uh, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> that
2: you know what? So I consider it my greatest life achievement to finally give <laughs> poor, statistically incredibly affluent Kids at Durham, (laughs) a hope of having a career in the arts. That's my great legacy. It was just really weird because I, in my year group in the Durham Review, Ed Gamble and Tom Neenan were in it. And, you know, then the year below us, there were kind of two years below us that made up the sketch group Massive Dad. So that's Stevie Martin, Tessa Coates, Liz Smith. We were all just, um, we all just happened to be there at the same time. And uh, do you
0: think, I mean, I think, because well, the same thing happened, weirdly, at the period I was at yeah, the university. Yeah, because your Oxford
2: Review is, yeah. like, m- loads of you are still. Like, well, like, like Arm-
0: Armando Yanucci, yeah, Stuart, right. and Al Murray, uh, Kevin Cecil, Andy Riley, who are fantastic successful was writers. Was Sally
2: Phillips did it around Sally that, Phillips yeah, was yeah. around,
0: yeah, so Dave Schneider. So there was just, there was. I think, like, if, if you suddenly have a little explosion of interest yeah. somewhere, and it's the right group of people... And many more people as well. Actually, to be fair, uh, you know, I think it, it just everyone really focused in, and we all kind of left thinking, "Let's give this a go." I definitely and, uh, think
2: that it's. Yeah, I definitely think that it's maybe I'm being slightly, I'm slightly soft-telling it by saying it was just a weird coincidence because it definitely helped. Because like Ed Gamble, certainly when we were younger, like understood. Like I wanted to do comedy, yeah. but I didn't know what that. You know, that it, to me it was like saying. I want to be a magician like it didn't it didn't have any you know there wasn't any practical understanding of how you went about that but certainly when I met Ed he had already been to Edinburgh and so he already understood that you know there was a fringe and that you anyone can take a show there and then also he understood that there were like you know the circuit how the circuit works and there are these weekend clubs that you can go and do and you know he he definitely meeting him Helped me understand the actual practicalities. He was much more forward thinking than the rest of us at the time in terms of the fact that he'd actually looked into how some of these things worked yeah. and like people got agents and that, that I had no fucking clue about any of that stuff. Yeah. And so it definitely helped for sure. And then, but going to Edinburgh, and that's one of the best things the university helped us do. And it, it's one of the reasons that. You know, I, it's, it's very difficult for me to discount. I would love to mythologize myself as being this entirely self-made person, but that's absolute horseshit. And the fact that I went to university gave me the opportunity to go to Edinburgh. And when I went to Edinburgh... And the university would give us some money as well right. to go up there, which massively helped us. And being in Edinburgh, you you suddenly are like, oh, okay, I kind of roughly see how this works. And it definitely... It, it massively helps to come through with people at the same time. And then when you actually start, what really helps is like having some friends who are doing it at the yeah. same time, just so that you can all reflect on like what you're doing and how you're doing and it, it, having contemporaries who are uh, going through the same things as you at the same time is really helpful. And really, it was an invaluable thing for yeah. me. Yeah,
0: and I think people think that, you know, I think they, people think that happens a lot at, from universities, but I don't think it, that the, the student comedy, every now and again it'll flourish and create something. But there's a lot certainly in Oxford, everyone goes, oh, everyone just gets on TV. There was probably 20 years between the last successful thing from Oxford and and sort of the, the growth of all the, the people who came out of my time. Yeah, so. absolutely.
2: And even now, the chain, the, you know, the assumption was that if you had a successful enough Edinburgh, you would just get a TV show. But even that's completely changed. Yeah, and yeah. that's gone completely out of the water. And there was a time where winning something like winning the award at Edinburgh would, like, automatically give you a TV show. And even that now doesn't exist in the same way. Yeah. And everything's definitely changing. And so... But the most important thing I think is like having the support of people that have known you for a long time. Yeah, and also stops you from becoming a dickhead. I, th- <laughs> I mean, I think I think it's definitely stopped me. But
0: I guess also if there's a, gr- as a if there's a few groups and there's a little bit of competition in it, and, and you see someone do well and that spurs you on to do some, yeah, something. Yeah, I think,
2: well. I think yeah, I think probably we don't talk enough about the helpfulness of competition because I think it's more interesting and it is also in some ways more important to talk about the sort of toxicity of competitiveness because if you... I've always thought the healthiest way to frame it is that you always want to keep pace with your friends. Yeah. I think when things get unhealthy is when you think I have to beat them or I have to be ahead of them or I have to win in some way. Yeah. But for me, the the challenge and the way that it helped me out was always trying to stay... keep pace with my friends. Yeah,
0: also... If they become much more successful, you know, it's really annoying. <laughs> like, Andy Nucci's done David Copperfield, Peter Bainham's, Borat, Stuart Lee's doing all right in the album. <laughs> Fucking hell. I'm doing this. There, there's no one in the theatre. <laughs> doing this to the next guest. Right, before there's, we've still got a bit of time. I wanted to address this with you. Your Wikipedia entry yep. does not know how old you are or what your birth date is. <laughs> like you're from medieval times something like someone like medieval monk it would go born in when you know 207 or 208 we're not sure your wikipedia page doesn't know what year you were born in it says
2: born 85 or 86 really funny i I've, I've seen it there was also a period afterwards after, after Breadgate, as yes. I'm now referring to it, where my Wikipedia page temporarily had a controversy section. <laughs> right. And if you're a male comedian and your Wikipedia page has a controversy section, let's face it, it's normally one thing that you've controversied. And I thought it was very funny that, for me, my, the closest I get to controversy is having one bread roll thrown near me at a charity luncheon. Um, yeah, I don't know why that is. That Do you want to clarify when you were born? No, I refuse to. It's also, what's weird is that if you Google me, you can see my full date of birth. So I don't know why, uh, what I will say is, my Wikipedia page is harder to edit than most people's okay. because it got, uh, my Wikipedia page basically got hacked by my cousins. My co- my, I've got a 14-year-old cousin and a 16-year-old cousin who live in Australia, and they're I mean, I very—I've loved them very dearly, but they're also fucking douchebags <laughs> because they found out that I had a Wikipedia page and they found out that anyone can edit Wikipedia and all hell broke loose. And they changed it so that it said something like, I weigh 3,000 billion tons and every morning I stick a potato in my butt and they said I was best known as Madam Lily which is what they call... They've called me Madam Lily since they were young, which is not... I assumed as a reference to some Australian television character. And my uncle said, I just want to tell you, it's not... <laughs> they just... Uh, the, the girl just started calling me Madam Lily when she was about six years old. And they still call me Madam Lily now. And so it was... Um, <laughs> y- yeah, it was... It, it was it, in the top of my Wikipedia profile, it said, Nishant, Nish Kumar, better known as Madam <laughs> Lily... And then I talked about this on Zoltzman's podcast on The Bugle. I mentioned this, and The Bugle's fan base I mean, it's not unlike your fan base, Richard, in that you can't dangle the carrot of Wikipedia edits in front of these, no offense, fucking assholes. And so, for like a day, my Wikipedia page was so heavily molested. That it now is can only be edited by Wikipedia-approved moderators, (laughs) which is why I think once my date of birth just got once a piece of information has just snuck under there. David Trent edited my Wikipedia page years ago (laughs) to say that I. So there's like loads of facts about my. I don't know if this is still current, but there was a period on my Wikipedia page even like six or seven months ago where there was loads of like facts about my career, and then it just said. He replaced David Trent at the charity (laughs) chuckle in 2011 or something. And the thing is, basically every piece of information that was verifiable that got in under the wire before the the (laughs) Iron Curtain of Wikipedia moderation came down is now just gospel in there. And unfortunately, one of the pieces of information that didn't make the cut was the year that I was born. But I was born in 1985. If that helps anyone... It's good, to know. it's good to know that
0: you're not like <laughs> one of the uh,
2: obscure Caesars. We're
0: not quite sure when he was born. We feel he died in 1859. We're not sure. I've, well, uh,
2: Daniel Kitson is listed on Wikipedia as a known recluse. And I actually think that I have now gone one up on him by it not being clear when I was born.
0: But your own website is also very lazily <laughs> put together. So I think, like, it's saying uh, 2018 gigs upcoming. I understand that what
2: you're trying to do here is shame me, Richard, in terms of, like, my own online app. But what this is really doing is shaming your credibility as a and i'm using this term incorrectly <laughs> journalist what you're basically saying is i googled you half an hour before the show and got I fucking feel, nothing out I of did it look, i printed it up that's
0: very unusual i printed up information about you this time i made i do a, a full t- two or three hours research what i like about wikipedia is you can Wikipedia is used by journalists to yeah. write articles, and then you can use the article they write as verification. <laughs> so, like an article, there was someone writing about Taskmaster in New Zealand who obviously didn't know who I was, and someone is not quite as a joke because I am doing ventriloquism, but, but Richard is a comedian and ventriloquist on there. And then that New Zealand article goes Richard, the UK comedian and ventriloquist. <laughs> As if that's what I'm best known for, and now I can link to that on my, and that proves that I'm a ventriloquist. You if anyone links to my ventriloquism, they'll be in trouble. But it is true. So I like, I like the fact that you can, the minute someone's written about it, you can verify it. I'm going
2: to start referring to you as the professional ventriloquist, Richard Harry. <laughs> well, you
0: know, I'm, I guess am I professional? Have I? I haven't done. I haven't been paid for ventriloquism, I don't think, yet. I've been paid to, to play snooker against myself. So I'm a professional self-playing snook, both by a paying audience, and the BBC during lockdown. That was one of my extra gigs I got. was I got paid like proper I could go to my wife, who for 11 years has been saying, why the fuck are you doing this waste of fucking time? She's not wrong. Playing yourself a snooker. And then I can go to go, oh, would you want to buy
2: some food with this? Check. From the BBC. Richard, now as someone who has drawn a BBC wage <laughs> on a number of different programmes, I'm sort of aware that there is a slight cash flow problem at the corporation. <laughs> I don't want to guess at the size of cheque, but I'm guessing if we pro it over 11 years, it works out to about 3p a year. It's <laughs> <laughs> not the point. That's
0: very much not the point. Right, I'll ask you some emergency questions. We don't, it's, oh, look at that. The time is just... It flies by. It's, this it, is it's what nice. I mean. It's nice to, to chat to someone in real life, isn't it? <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> it's good to speak it, to someone. It's, <laughs> it's really good to speak to someone I in real life. I was saying to you, like, I think I am actually... Having more of a social life than I did before yeah, lockdown. Yeah, he did say that to me. It made me because, it made me worried. Because every and sad. Wednesday I talk to someone for an hour and it's a different person. And like for a solid hour I have a chat with someone. And that's probably, there's probably weeks before lockdown that I went for three or four weeks without talking to someone who wasn't my, you know, hadn't either sprung out of my loins or was quite interested in having a go on them. <laughs> is, that uh, how, is that how <laughs> we're describing your wife now, Richard? Yeah, She likes having a go on my loins. She likes having a go on your loins. (laughs) That's that's what they're there for. Um, If if
2: you guys do get divorced and I'm asked to provide a character witness, I am going to have to say he did once describe her (laughs) as someone who likes having a go on my loins. Got two kids to prove it. So at least two times. People don't really describe them as their... You don't really ever hear loins just used colloquially. (laughs) Oh, I've copped one in the loins. She loves my loins. That's what she married me for. I don't think it's like rappers are not going to start using my loins.
0: They might do. Oh, I'll ask you. This. this isn't in the book. I'll ask you this because I don't think I've got to be careful. I've had you on twice. I could have asked you questions before, Nish. Yeah, that's I did have right. have a little look to see. Have you no. seen a ghost since the last time you were on? No, still no, no okay, ghost. Still, no. still snake
2: eyes on the ghost front. Okay.
0: Um, if you could have one item from any art gallery or museum in the world, or the art galleries and museums in the world so we love Nishkumar. We're gonna give him one thing you, yeah, that you one can thing. keep. Yeah, so yeah. you can take home a yeah. painting or an or an artifact or anything yeah. you want. What would you like from any museum or art gallery in the world?
2: Uh, Marcel Duchamp's Urinal. Okay. <laughs> because I think I I, lo- I like it because it's also got a practical function <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can both have an objet yeah. and also a urinal in my house would you put it in the bathroom or would you have it in a different room so that you could you know, I can, save yourself a trip I'll be honest with you Rich I'm spending a lot of time in my house Yeah, there's a lot of cricket on at the moment <laughs> I wouldn't mind having a fully plumbed urinal in the corner of my living room okay. I wouldn't mind that yeah. I wouldn't hate that at all I think
0: as you get older yeah. just by the bed just just because. I'd have to get up two or three times in the night to do to go for a week. If I could just literally like get my loins, flop them over <laughs> the, flop edge of <laughs> the edge. Flop your loins over the edge of the bed of the bed.
2: I mean I guess I could just get a Richard, bucket. Richard, Are you pissing out of your loins again? I won't be having a go on those, <laughs> those for the next couple of weeks.
0: Those are my loins. <laughs> <laughs> good. That's a good answer. Let's see what else we've got for you. <laughs> I don't know if we've gone. Re- I don't know. Can't remember. it, You know, because I stopped doing the very early ones. And because there's an audience of someone's on the Anne Marie's on the fucking phone. How dare you, Anne Marie? She's on. Oh the my phone. God! There's
2: a child watching. Where? Matthew's got a. Ch- there's a child watching. <laughs> I can't believe you just talked about your fucking loins in front <laughs> of a child, Richard. Oh, the kid's gone. <laughs> you you waved your loins at a child, and now they've run they away. They do
0: not know what loins are. They'll think they're kind of lions. <laughs>
2: Guy's dressed up as a lizard now, no, no, a frog. She's dressed up as the loins. The witch and the She's... wardrobe is a porn movie. I do not want to see.
0: The, I don't know if Helen Coop knows that that scary s- staring man is in her room with her. <laughs> 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 Helen Cook looks very nor- like a normal person and there's a terrifying spectral figure beside her He <laughs> seems to have horns. Oh, no, it's the yeah, thing behind it him. Was,
2: there was a clock behind him that made him look like he had devil horns. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, sorry, mate. I'm sorry. Mate. I've, I've embarrassed you. Um,
2: good. You, you know you have these emergency questions yeah. to avoid awkward pauses. Yeah. But you've now created more of a shuffling <laughs> <laughs> pause. That's spike. what I like. <laughs> I'm going to ask...
0: I'd say, I don't know if I've asked you the very early questions... Um, have I ever asked you if you prefer to have a handmade out hammer hand an armpit that dispenses sun cream
2: I don't know no. it's hard for me to say because I've listened to this podcast <laughs> for quite a long time you've thought so about I can't remember I think I've probably thought
0: about the answers quite a lot I've got uh, Jeremy Paxman on in about three weeks time oh really and I want to just uh, I'm going to do it quite sensibly but then at the end ask him that and go answer the question and he goes what are you talking about ask just, <laughs> if that one just comes out of nowhere answer the question come on, go, it's a come simple on. question <laughs>
2: Which is it? <laughs> Are you going to repeat the question? Yeah, like he did <laughs> repeating <laughs> repeat? well, I'll
0: have to leave it right to the end, otherwise he'll just hang up on me. They can people can leave really easily? If Are I, I you do had it, had the anyone st- walk? No, you no I don't think. No, now. I don't think I've. Um, no, uh, Stephen Merchant, you know, walked off. Stephen Merchant at the end. St- <laughs> Stephen Merchant emotionally left the stage. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen Merchant left um, uh, the uh, the bloke from the what's his name. Well, it sounds like... Rick, it. <laughs> Rick, uh, Ricky Wilson, right, okay, right. he was sort of on stage but wasn't on stage. Right, right, right right, right, right. He's the man it. from the Kaiser Chiefs. Kaiser right? Chiefs, that it was worse. That, is, Was that
2: the problem? <laughs> that, oh, and my first guest is... Oh, what's his fucking name? Oh, he's probably best known for... He was in that band. <laughs> Oh <laughs> not sure. transferred Ferdinand, yeah, I don't know. The One the of danger. them. That's the danger.
0: <laughs> that's the danger. Um uh, what's the what is the answer? I'll do, I'll what is your answer? Hand hand or some pregnancy? It's answer. a simple question. Stop avoid, evading the question.
2: <laughs> I can't believe you're using me as a dry run for <laughs> Paxman. Last time I was just meat in the room replacing <laughs> I was just meat in the room replacing yeah. Sheen. <laughs> um I would say I would prefer the uh, arm crit, the armpit that dispenses sunscreen oh, interesting because here 's the thing: I always forget sunscreen because okay. i I have uh, nature 's sunscreen <laughs> yes. melanin yeah. and i until I went to kenya i didn 't think it was possible for me to get sunburned. I genuinely thought it wasn 't possible for me to get sunburned okay and then i was I was doing the travel show that I did with Joel Domit and I said to him. Like it was, you know, it's, it, we were in, it's the equatorial sun. Like it's, the, the sun in Kenya is not fucking around. And after about like a, a half an hour of us being out in the sun, I said to Joel, like, I think I've got eczema. And he was like, no, that's sunburn. <laughs> like, it did make me feel, I understand now why white people are so angry. Yeah. It just makes a lot of sense to me. Because externally, it feels like it's all going very well for you. But when I had sunburn, I was like, get them out, send them back. <laughs> So, yeah, I would yeah. like the... Um, whereas, you know, I always have ham. Yeah. I always know I need ham. <laughs> I, so I always have ham in. Yeah. So I'm never short of ham. Whereas
0: Someone on uh, Twitter today was discussing it, uh, asking and said that he'd rather... <laughs> you feel have, good was
2: about your legacy, Richard? He was saying
0: rather, <laughs> I haven't asked this question for ages. That's why it's interesting it's come up again. He was saying he'd rather have the ham made of ham because he could sell that. What? Uh, and make money from the ham. And I just think, how, who would buy... Like, it's only a, a hand for each month. You know, who would buy someone else's hand? Oh, ham?
2: I would definitely not buy someone's ham but then, hand.
0: But then also, then I, but then, then I thought, you know, when you're buying ham, it's sort of worse than someone <laughs> else's ham hand. <laughs> 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 so I guess, oh, I wouldn't need someone's handmade of ham. Oh, some dead flesh of a pig. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. Yes.
2: Yeah, yeah, bring that in. So. I think that if you've... Um, I think that you lose the right if you've ever eaten a kebab, yeah. and not from like, and not from. what you've even a kebab. I'm not talking about kebabs. That's I'm not pronouncing it. I'm pronouncing it incorrectly deliberately. Okay. I'm not talking about like something that's like inherited from like Middle Eastern cuisine or Turkish cuisine or even like South Asian, Indian, and Pakistani kebab. I'm talking about a kebab. <laughs> yeah. If you've ever eaten one of those. You, can, uh, you should eat stuff that's on the floor. <laughs> like, sometimes I'm like, oh, this is falling on the floor, and then I'll remember that I ate what's definitely a rotating skewer of ass meat, and I just was, like, happily wolfing that down. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. You, there's, no, there's no worries about it.
0: I really miss that... Uh, very not there. it's a nice kebab place on the Uxbridge Road, very near to where you live, I think, or where you used to live. You moved. Yeah. Which one? Uh, it, I can't remember what it's called. I would should know, but it's like three or four years since I lived there. and That's the one thing I'd like to move back to London There's, for. There was one the place. The used to be where next to Tesco's.
2: Shabab? Yeah. Yeah. It's the be- yeah, Shabab. It's Oh, the- it's fucking amazing. I don't know if it's still open because oh. I I I am a bit I I've moved, so I don't oh. know whether it's still open, but. I, it was absolutely incredible. And once I was doing a gig with Tim Key and he tried to book a table at Shabab. <laughs> <laughs> Shabab is like, it's a, it's a kebab house with like plastic tables. The food is amazing because they bake their own naan bread. Yeah, and so the naans amazing. were always incredible. And the meat is delicious. It's properly delicious. But it's not, I don't even know how he thought it was possible. But he was like, I've reserved us a table online. And I was like, at Shabab? How the fuck have you done that? <laughs> the first
0: time it's ever been used. Hey, look, we're going to have to stop. We've, uh, we've overrun in all the excitement. It's been lovely to have you. I just want to say to you people there, thank you for being part of the show.
2: Yeah, thanks, everyone. Uh,
0: and, uh, you know, you're all right. Most of you are all right. Do, do you know, crack a fucking smile, some of you. <laughs> <laughs> there's, no, there's no problem in just looking happy.
2: <gasps> Have you guys got the wrong URL? Were you supposed to be attending a Zoom, <laughs> Zoom funeral? Jesus Christ. Um, but uh, if you are going to
0: come to the second show, then you have to go out of this room and come back into the other room. So don't just hang around in this one because there's nothing else going to be in this one. Uh, if you want to come for if you haven't paid yet, go and pay. And you can see me talking to Lou Sanders at about... 6:45. We will see, but for the now, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the amazing Nish Kumar. Look, you can actually Thanks applaud him. Thanks very much, everybody. If you want?
2: Or Thank boo- you very much. Do that if you didn't
0: like. you didn't like, lovely him. to see you boo. all.
2: Boo. By all means, throw boo. a bread roll. Throw. By all, a- <laughs> <laughs> by all means, bread roll me. <laughs> Thank you very much. Goodbye. Thanks, everyone. We're still here. <laughs> Goodbye.
0: <laughs> you have been listening to raha lost our with me richard Herring and my guest nish kumar thank you to pest who keep providing the music for us even though we've asked them to stop they just come in every week and do it I would like to very much thank the Clapham Grand for having us along to do a couple of shows. Hopefully there'll be more in the future. Thank you to everyone who tuned in, everyone who paid money to watch these. That's incredibly useful. Helps keep us going. Helps keep the theatre going. I'm indebted to my producer, Chris Evans, not that one. Um, I am also indebted to uh, Kathleen McKeegan, who runs Rahalistika.com, I think it is. Uh, and she uh, has lots of info about all of the episodes Fantastic stuff if you want to Dive deep into the world of Rahula stuff uh, Thank you to Ben Walker Thank you to ACAS Thank you to Mark, British Comedy Guide This is a Sky Potato Fuzz And GoFasterStripe.com production GoFasterStripe.com has lots of books And downloads and DVDs If you want to go old school Of mine and lots of other fantastic comedians Please support them I'd advise becoming a member of Strike and you get uh, every single new thing they make plus the choice of some of the old ones for for your monthly sub. And you get a t-shirt in the end, it's good. So support Chris Evans, not that one, he's a good guy. Sorry I was in my my dressing gown at the start of this episode to probably be on the audio. Bye.
1: drink the milk don't drink the milk no this isn't a podcast about milk if you like historical intrigue a bit of culture and a sprinkling of controversy this one's for you i'm rachel stewart and i'm travelling around europe following the hidden history of everyday things as they're exported through time and around the world by force by chance or by choice no need to pack your bags just subscribe to don't drink the milk wherever you listen to podcasts
0: Thanks very much, richardherring.com slash for those remaining Rahulastapa dates, Rahulastapa, and richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour to find out all the tour dates for my upcoming stand-up. Would love to see you at those ones. Please book tickets if you can. All right, enjoy another podcast. Don't listen to anyone else's podcast but mine. Stay
1: faithful, and I'll see you on the next one. Bye.